Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Trevin Stoltzfus, and I'm here with Kyle Michael, cameraman extraordinary, and Tanner Vernon. Yo, yo, yo. And we are going to today talk about our Kansas whitetail hunt. It was... Uh, I. This is. Can you we just talk about my portion of it because that'll take about 30 seconds and then you guys can go with and, your bad selves. And then <laughs> Kyle came. Yeah. The reason they're here on this is because um, Tanner ran the first two days. Yeah. About two and a half days. Yeah. And then Kyle came and ran two days. And then I self videoed the rest of the time. But. I have become ate up with whitetail. For me, especially this property in Kansas, working with Phil Francone, my good buddy, also owner of Mindel USA Boots. Um, he and I have been able... I started hunting, uh, we'll call it the McKenzie Farm because that's the original family that owned it travis is my buddy and it's his family's farm that he grew up on um and we started uh, and phil i've probably said this in the past uh with food plot podcast or whatever phil bought the pro property the same year i started hunting it and so since then we have developed a, a management plan in conjunction. When are you fortunate enough to have a neighbor who works and and along the same lines has the same idea of management? It's 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 been a godsend. It really has. And of course, Phil and I have become good buddies through it. Um, it's it's so much fun when we do food plots and stuff to have him there. Mm -hmm. Last so, last year we even went and got to shed hunt there and yeah he's just feels feels just a, a good guy to be around he's, he's a, easy to yeah. easy to be around just a solid dude and he and he loves like us he loves everything there is from the food plots to the shed hunting to the he loves to trap he you know he just loves that outdoor lifestyle yep. And um, we're kind of fortunate because there's no structures or buildings or houses on the farm. And he built a barn and has kind of a little apartment-like thing in it yeah. with a shower and stuff. And it's, it's, it's nice. You all right over there? Yeah. Okay. Struggle bus. Yeah, uh, seriously. Uh, Kyle. So we when we go we can stay if it's if it's in the middle of the summer you know it's ninety five degrees and ninety percent humidity we have an air conditioner a shower and then in the in the in the fall when we're hunting in November which is normally cold you've got a nice hot shower and a nice warm bed and but this you year need it, you have an air conditioner in the fall also. yeah this year it was weird. <laughs> I mean, it was what seventy, seventy-two degrees. Yeah, it's warm. When we when we got out there, I was a little late getting there. Um, let me let me start from the beginning. Phil, our plan was to start hunting around the fourth. We yeah. looked at everything from the moon to what. I mean, we didn't really have know what the temperatures were going to be, but as we looked at the way the rut would lay out, we wanted to be there from like the fourth through the tenth, through the twelfth maybe. 
I think was our plan. And um, my grandma died, and her funeral was on the 6th. So I ended up having to put off going there until the 7th. So Phil, he was already planning to be there, so he went, and he killed on, I think on the 4th, or maybe it was the 5th. There was a cold snap that came through. And he said the bucks were moving. I mean, he's sending me pictures. And, you know, of course, we have the Cuddy Link cameras up now. And we're getting every mature buck on its feet. And he killed a really nice 10-point. What did that buck end up scoring that you stretched? 152 or something? 155? Something. Yeah, it was one mid-150s. And uh, great buck. So he has already killed. And he's got a buddy. His was, it, was that buck? That buck was, was it a nine? That was a nine. I thought it was a ten. Might have been a nine point. Friggin' nice, awesome buck. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this year, Andy, a, a good friend of Phil's, um, came out and uh, and it was cool to meet Andy. He was hunting with Phil. Um, and when I was supposed to be there, Andy was there too. Phil killed his buck and then Andy passed a couple of, uh, I was real proud of him because he passed some really good three and a half year olds. And, uh, one buck that might even been four, we weren't sure, but Anyway, so by the time I get there, uh, Andy's going to go back and come back then to the following weekend. So you and I got there, and it had warmed up. Yeah. And did we even see any deer the first couple of days? I think we we might have seen a doe. Yeah. I mean, it was that bad. The entire time I was there, a, a doe. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. So now I'm going to hop off here. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think I, you had, you had a, your dad and your, yours and your dad's mule deer hunt in Colorado. And you were going to go and scout a little bit prior to. So, um, Kyle, you were going to come in, kind of fill that void. Right. But since it was so hot, I sent you. Yeah, it got, just the way since you couldn't since you couldn't be out there till later, it was gonna run into my mule deer hunt then, and it was just and we weren't seeing anything. So you're like, just just go because just I, can, I can I can I can film man. I can film myself watching no deer squirrels. Yeah, right. so I ended up going and filming myself for a day, and then Kyle showed up. Yes. And, and I was trying to get there. You drove overnight. Yeah. Like literally to come in. And you really only stayed for a day. I stayed. I was there Thursday. Yeah. So I, I got there Thursday morning. I sat with you Thursday evening. And then Friday morning, Friday evening, and then left Friday. Yeah. And drove another 10 hours home. Yeah. Whew, that was brutal <laughs> brutal and we 
actually were starting to it was starting to cool off this the second day it was what 18 20 mile per hour winds yeah the that f- remember because i even took my heater bodysuit which normally it's yeah, been Friday so hot you did. and um but with the wind right into our face that's the hard part yeah i just crawled in that baby i don't like to put a lot of clothes on when i'm in the tree stand because no. I have I can't draw my bow as well and I missed a buck because I was so clothed up and the collar of my outer layer pushed my because I anchor where the where I anchor push my arrow over that'll do it and you know when you have a, a drop away rest that comes up and the arrow sits in a V, if you will, and it hit, and it pushed it over. And I didn't know that. It's just pressing against it. I'm at full draw, and I shot, and I shot about this much in front of it. And I'm like, what the heck? And it was 20-yard shot. That should have been money. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but we saw. We, I mean, that that yeah. afternoon, that evening, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We had quite a few does. Yeah, a lot of does. No, them does. no cool. bucks. I literally had not seen a shooter buck, and you left. Well, the next two days are supposed to be really cool. And when I say really cool, low in the, I think for the first, it was the first freeze. I think it got down to 28 degrees. And that morning was unreal. I mean, I I stayed in I sat in the road stand, and uh, which it was a stand that Tanner and I had sat in and had seen nothing, but it's a good stand. Yeah, for sure. It the the bucks cruise through there. And this this is on Phil's. And, and this is on Phil's. Yeah, because we're watching our cameras, and there is literally not a mature buck on camera. On our place which yeah, last which year just, it was the opposite yeah which just is showing how cool the the partnership between you know right you and phil and right everything it's just that to me to me that's super cool because yeah. like two years ago we did his food plots right because mm-hmm. he wasn't able to make it out so it's just like this yeah symbiotic. well he was getting married oh yeah he was oh. getting married in september <laughs> and so we went out and put our food plots in and his food plots in. Yeah, it just it was it was just kind of cool. So, I climb up in the stand. Right away as it gets light, I look up, and this stand is how far is that? Three hundred yards from the ha- no, probably four hundred yards from the barn. Yeah, and um, there's a there's a pond, um, sitting on the edge of a of a bean field, and you know we didn't mention that the first our first sit of the whole entire evening the farmers came in and started cutting the beans the beans were still yeah. there yeah and so the first two days everybody was cutting beans which i don't think that affected the deer hunting i no, i think no. the i think that the temperature was our worst enemy mm-hmm. so so we get uh, i get in the stand I look across and there's a mature buck pushing a doe. And I'm like, all right, 
it's on now now this is this is what november now again what is it the 10th already i mean normally you've seen a ton of running action but we haven't question do you think since because it seemed like the, the like the third and the fourth there's weather, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of rutting action. So do you think that, because you weren't even getting bucks, like, really at night when it was warm, right? Mm-hmm. Like that next week. Wow. So do you think that there was any, uh, and I'm asking because I don't know anything about whitetails. Do you think that, like, there was, like, lockdown, like, kind of a lockdown also happening? I think, I think possibly. I think what happened was the cold front came in. The bucks were really starting to look for that first doe to come in, and then they found that first doe. Well, the reason you didn't see a lot of daylight movement of bucks is because it was so hot. Normally, if it's cold, I think that you'll see more buck movement. Um, and we just weren't. But we were seeing buck movement on some trail cameras. Well, there wasn't that much at night, was there? Yep. Mm-hmm. At night, we were. that was the only time we were getting... Okay. We weren't getting any daylight pictures no, hardly no, at all. I was just, no. I just didn't, didn't no. seem like you were getting all the bucks at night either. Yeah, we, uh, not all of them, but we were still getting bucks at night. Gotcha. Um, so as I'm sitting there that morning after seeing that, that, the mature buck pushing that doe, I, uh, I started running B roll, I think, squirrel. Nice. Birds, you know, something. Well, one of the many things that you could probably get any time in a whitetail stand, I'm running B-roll on, and I look over, and here comes a good 10-point. Comes right up, right underneath me, and I realize that this is the 10-point that Andy has passed twice, that it's that one that we're not sure. We think it's three and a half. Yeah. So instead of – I take the main camera, and I'm filming but instead of grabbing my bow, I grab my iPhone, and I'm taking pictures of, with my iPhone of the camera trying to get a good, so I can verify wh- how old it is. So I'm texting Adam, I'm texting Levi, I'm texting a bunch of people, do you think this buck's three and a half? Trying to figure out if they think he's four or not, right? Aaron, AR, and, and Trav, I'm texting them, and the buck's right there, right? And... uh so anyway, he ends up wandering off. I couldn't shoot him because I couldn't, I wasn't sure. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't say, he's four and a half. Okay, I'm going to shoot him, right? Because that's the deal. We're trying, to, we're trying to get him at least four and a half. Primarily, if we can get him to five and a half, that's awesome. But four and a half, the minimum, is what we'd like to do. <laughs> so off he's gone. He's gone. But you know what? I made that choice. I, I Now I'm starting to feel good about myself. Like, all right. That was a good sit. I saw a mature buck for the first time. I'm excited. And I'm looking around, and I'm seeing other does. And I'm seeing other bucks all the way across, uh, you know, down toward the barn. So then, 9.30, 10 o'clock, is coming around. And, and Phil texts me and says, hey. Andy just shot a buck. Now, Andy is, if you followed the edge of the of the bean field around, probably 200, 250 yards, and it kind of makes a, a little, 
jog back toward the south. There's a blind and Andy's hunting there. So he's not really super far from me, but the deer he's hunting might possibly walk in front of me or might go, you know, I might never see him. I mean, there's a, a, a bunch of ways they can go. We're convinced that the 10 point walked right behind his blind is why he never saw him and came by me because um, there was no deer in in the food plot over there that he was sitting on there was no deer in the food plot until he'd shot this buck so he ends up where are you going buddy okay <laughs> So he goes, uh, or uh, Phil texts me and says, hey, Andy shot a buck. I'll let you get your thing on. Okay. Ready? <laughs> okay. So he, so Phil texts me and says, hey, sorry about this, people. We're, <laughs> we, we got a lot of things going on here. Um, Phil texts me and says, Andy shot a buck, but he's not sure about the shot, so we're going we're gonna to have to get on the blood trail. And I, and I, it's 10 o'clock. I said, okay, come get me and I'll climb down and, and go help you. I text him that. I hadn't finished texting him that I hear something behind me and I turn around and look and I see there's a doe coming and there's a buck, a good, nice buck, nice wide buck behind him. And I'm like, oh shoot. So I text him real quick. Up, oh, there's a buck. Hold on. Don't come get me. And I get turned around, get the camera turned around on him and I realized this buck is limping really bad and I'm like this has got to be the buck that Andy just shot so now I'm thinking okay he's got an arrow just like any other time I it's my job to just try and put this deer down it's Andy's buck but it's my job to to finish him off I don't want him to you know I don't want him to to suffer so the doe comes by at a perfect and, and mind you the back side of me there on the on the opposite side of me away from the bean field there is a a creek a little bit of water in it a little creek and she's on my side of the creek so she's she walks by at 18 yards and the buck is going to come by at the same thing so i get the camera set up for that and then i grab my bow and I'm going to shoot him right there. But this little fork horn comes kind of out of the the side, and he bristles up, and the fork horn kind of young buck kind of stands there, and then he beds down. Well, where that buck beds down, he's probably 35 yards from me, but there's no way I can shoot him in his bed. No way. I can't get an arrow through there. So he's bedded down there probably for four or five minutes and the forkhorn starts to work his way to follow the doe. Well, he's not having any of that. So he gets up, you know, and you can tell he's, he's limping bad. And I can see blood on his offside front shoulder um, coming down the inside of his leg because he's walking this way. And uh, he, as we saw from earlier hunting Nebraska, a buck that's got a busted shoulder can move pretty good and he chases that that little forkhorn off 
but he gets through my shooting lane before I can get a shot on him. So now he's coming around the other side, and the tree is is now between us. So I swing, I put my bow back on my hanger. I swing the camera around this way. Now the doe is standing at the field edge, looking out the field edge, but she's probably not 20, 25 yards. So when he comes out, if he follows her, I'm going to have another great 18, 20, 25 yards, depending upon when he stops, I'm going to have a great shot right there. So I get the camera up on this side. Now this is a little more awkward because I'm left-handed, so I'm facing the tree now, turned backwards in the stand with the camera up, arm up against the tree, but it is out of my way. I grab my bow and I'm getting ready. I'm expecting him to follow the doe out, but instead of following the doe out, he turns and starts walking the field edge away from me. So the doe is actually kind of walking out in the field too. And so he's shadowing her, but up against the fin- up against the tree line. And I'm like, oh shoot. And I'm ranging. It's nice. She's 30, nice 35, nice 40. And I, he finally stops and I range him and he's 59 yards. And, he, and, and he's quarter and hard away. And I, so I start thinking, okay, if he turns broadside, I can shoot him right there. And then I realize there's a branch. My arrow's probably going to hit a branch, that branch because he's, now he's 60 yards away. Yeah. So I unhook my, tar- my harness, and I hook it on the bottom of the stand. And I kneel down on the foot platform, which was where you know the stand, yeah. right? Because you sat. So I'm on the st- <laughs> I'm literally facing the tree. I'd push the seat up so it was out of my way, and I'm kneeling on the platform. And I come to full draw. He, he turns broadside, and I come to full draw. And he's 60 yards. And I'm running camera. I didn't try and zoom in. I didn't do any of that. I just left it like, <laughs> like it was like when I was going to shoot him at 20 yards because I'm, he was still in frame. He was just walking this way instead of coming this way. And I didn't, again, I didn't try and correct my you know zoom in on him and then sh- and then shoot him i just left it like that and i and now i'm like i just gotta get an arrow in this buck and i shot him and he ducked um i hit him and he wheels back into the into the timber and all i can hear is crash 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 and i'm like okay did he did he go down there or because he kind of went through kind of a thicket and I'm like, did he just trip? Because when I shot him, I'm shooting the opposite side that he's wounded on. He literally face planted and then went into the timber on his chest, like just kicking with his back legs, like his front legs. It, it, it was the weirdest Jeez. thing. Of course, all of this happened so fast. I didn't realize this. I learned this better when I watched the footage. So then... um I text Phil and I said, well, I think I just got an arrow in that buck that Andy shot. So I climbed down, went over, walked around, met them over by Andy's blind. And we went back to the barn. I took the, I'd brought the camera and, uh, I said, let's give him some time. Let me watch the footage to see how the shot was. And, uh, and the shot was a little forward of where I wanted it to be, but I think, uh, but 
the buck whirls too. Like at the shot, the buck starts to do this. And so rather than right here, it comes and it hits right in front of the shoulder and uh, basically in the neck. And uh, so I go, well, maybe we should give him some time. And Phil goes, nope, he's dead. Because <laughs> you could hear him crashing on the, on the video. Phil goes, he's dead right there. I said, I, I don't know. But I didn't hear water. And you could hear them like that morning when, do when deer would come across, you'd hear the water. And uh, so, so we first went out there and we went on the opposite side on the road. We call it the road stand because the road's just on the other side of the, that strip of creek and, and then the timber. And we tried to glass in there, but it was too thick. I mean, there were still tons of leaves on the trees. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, again, there'd been one freeze and it was that morning. So there's tons of, of, usually you can see a lot better. So we get back. We come around, and uh, Andy and I go to start looking for him, and uh, we get up to where I shot, and there is blood everywhere. It's like someone come came and just took a five-gallon bucket and just sloshed blood everywhere. And yeah, he was he was dead, like huh. eight yards in the in the woods. So that was pretty cool. To be, be you know, what are the chances? that Andy shoots a deer and then that deer comes by me. I mean, I could have been sitting in how many other stands that morning? Yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So that was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. Um, so, you know, we were able to take some pictures and get some really good pictures and stuff like that. So, so for the rest of that hunt, it immediately, oh, I, oh the next morning, it was cold also. And I had another buck cruise by me. Um, and he was just a decent eight point. Just nothing special. He might have been four. I don't know. He was a big body. Oh, when I got up in the stand, I got up early. There was a big body deer in front of me. I, could, I was looking at my binoculars. He's probably 25 yards away. And I couldn't. I couldn't tell who he was, like which buck he was, mm -hmm. but his body was huge. And of course it was 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes before first light. I got up, er I got in there early cause I had all my ratchets and, you know, tree arm and our camera arm. And so anyway, um, so that was kind of cool. And then later that day to have that buck come by that, and then I passed him too. Cause I wanted to kill this big four point. I mean, big A point, excuse me. And um, he was all over the farm. I think I showed you pictures, Kyle, of, you, did. you know, big bases. We found it. Didn't, isn't that the one we found the shed? We found the shed from him uh, when Tanner and I were there. Um, huh? In the food plot? Oh, that's right. Okay. So this is just so, uh, just so, uh, clarification. Tanner found it when we were putting in food plots in August or late July. And, uh, um, anyway, so this buck has huge, he's not, he's not going to score that well, but his bases are like the size of a 
Coke can, and they're really tall. Anyway, um, so we end up, this is a target buck, and we're getting pictures of him all over. But everywhere I choose to sit, he's not there. So I've got a day and a half left, and I call Phil, and by now Phil and Andy have left, of course. They, uh, excuse me, big yawn. They had uh, tagged out, of course. It's gotten hot again. I'm seeing hardly any deer. But on the west side, where we have another food plot, we were getting pretty good pictures, but it's hard to hunt that because it of the wind. And you get in there, you blow deer out. And so we're really selective of how we hunt that. Phil had a blind on that side, but the, the blind is an interesting blind because it's more of a crossbow or rifle blind. You cannot draw a bow. Uh, it's, it's, it's narrow, and then it's long. So uh, the, the way that you have a horizontal window for like a crossbow or a, a rifle, it's really shallow. So you could, it'd be no problem with a crossbow or, or a rifle to, to shoot out that. But you can't draw a bow because you would literally hit your elbow on the back of the blind. But on the sides of the blind, the long way, it has two slots for bows. So we went over to the west plot and before Phil left and we turned that blind sideways. And... Um, I had a day and a half left, and so I got made three burritos, got six bottles of water and two Coke Zeros, a sleeping bag, and all my camera gear and bow. And I went and I got in that blind because he had been coming in and showing up on camera at 11 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon, just random times. And I felt like if I sat the rest of the time there, I'd kill that buck. So I got in that at noon. And sat there all day. I remember I had a little book on my phone. I just read and I'd look out my little thing. And the wind wasn't perfect, but I took the Ozonics. And I ran that Ozonics in there. And I did have some, some does blow at me. But I also had... Uh, three fawns come in and then six does came in and they're in the food plot and right in front of me you know and then some young bucks come in and I'm just like it's going to happen he's going to show up and evening came on and it got dark and so I closed the the, the windows made everything real dark and then put down my little sleeping bag and went to sleep <laughs> and then I woke up the next morning and I got everything ready got tucked away got back in my chair got my camera ready and then just opened it up and there was nothing in front of me which was good because I was concerned that I'd open it up and scare all these deer out and I'd be done but there's nothing there. Looking back on the Cuddy Link cameras from that night, they had had a party in that freaking food plot. 
but I couldn't see. I mean, you know, it's, so. Was there any good bucks? There was two good bucks in there <laughs> during the dark <laughs> while, you're while I was sleeping. <laughs> and so, um, so then I sit there and again, just does and fawns come in. And then I see a little buck and uh, I'm just like, by now I'm getting stir crazy. I have not moved from this three by six square foot place. I have filled up four of my six water bottles that I drank with pee, right? I need to poop pretty bad because <laughs> I ate two of my burritos. And it's getting noon and then one o'clock and I'm like, okay. So my mind starts playing tricks on me. And I'm like, okay, what's the wind tonight? I got one more sit. And the wind was good for the road stand. And I hadn't sat there since that morning. So I said, you know what I could do? I could get out because I have to leave the next morning. I could get out. I could get all my stuff ready to leave. And then go get in the stand, hunt, come back, eat, load everything up, go to bed, get up and leave at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, that's what I should do. <laughs> so I get out, which means I'm going to get all my stuff. I walk over, back over to the barn, grab the ranger, bring it back to get all my crap, you know. I move the blind back so it's sideways again. Strap it down on the platform because the wind will take it and it'll be in Oklahoma. Um, and and uh, everything's great. I get back, get everything ready. I'm about ready to go get in the stand. Now, where's my GoPro? I'd left it in the blind. This is 2.30. So I jump in the Ranger, run over there, grab my GoPro, come back, go get in the stand. I get in the stand. That night, I have a good buck cruise by, but he's on the other side of the creek, and I can barely see him, and I couldn't even get my my I got my binoculars up on him and he was in the thick and I tried to get the camera on him and I didn't get anything so I'm not sure which one he which buck he was but he was definitely a mature buck and everything was cool I'm like well you know what it was a good good hunt yeah. I get back and Phil texts me and he said um cause he knew what I was telling him what I was doing he said did you did you see the Cuddy Link pe camera pictures and I said no I hadn't checked them because, again, we get them on our phone, right? So I have to get back to the barn where the booster is because our self-service sucks. That sucker came in at 3.30. That big buck came in to that blind that I had spent the night in oh. at 3.30. I was there with the ranger in the middle of the plot getting my GoPro at 2.30. Oh. Shoot. So I, I, I just go, that kind of sums up my, uh, my whitetail season. Oh, man. You know, you do all of that, all the stuff that we do for that one week or that one 10 days or whatever, however long, and I missed it. I didn't miss it. That's not true because I could have killed that 10 point. I could have killed that at an 8 point. I mean, it was, it was a great time. I had a, I had a blast, but. But it's so unique. Whitetail hunting is so different 
than a lot of other things. You know, we go to Nebraska mule deer hunting, and most of the time we're not looking at bucks we've seen before. Yeah. You know, you go in a mule deer. Now, you have some areas where you find a shed and you, and you know, and it, sometimes yeah. you'll you'll find that buck again. Yeah. But a lot of times you're looking at bucks you never saw before. Yeah, correct. Whereas Whitetail, I mean, I'm hoping that, heck, I hope he was, th- that 10 point was three and a half and he wasn't four and a half. I hope he, because he's going to blow up. Heck, if he was four and a half, then he's going to be a heck of a five and a half year old. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, there should be some good deer. Yeah. Next year for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely, I'm not much of a Whitetail guy, but I've, I definitely appreciate it more after like working on the food pots and all that stuff definitely i don't i just i don't think you can just go and hop up in a stand somewhere that you've never been and get the same get the same experience i did it i did it for years would go had some good buddies that had out an outfitting business and i'd go and hunt with them and they'd take me to the stand and say what 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 am i going to see well i don't know but you know, there's bucks in there. Well, they—it th- wasn't their ground. It's ground they leased. And they weren't necessarily running trail cameras. They were—they were putting out corn in Kansas. You can do that. They'd put out corn, and then you'd shoot a buck, or maybe you wouldn't, right? Yeah. But there's something about understanding the possibility of what you might see, and the wonder of man, I want to kill this buck, you know, or, or having a history like w- with blades. We never did see blades again. You know, that last year I, I bounced an ear off his back and I don't, I don't know what happened to him. You know, we never found him. We looked for him when we were shed hunting. We, we covered a ton of ground hoping if he was dead, we'd find him. Mm-hmm. We never found him. So, but that's whitetail hunting. And that's what's so addictive about it, in yeah. my opinion, because it's, it's not just the hunting season, it's all year round. Right. Like, I'm already thinking of what changes we're going to make or what do we need to do? How do we, how do we get into this spot, you know, and, and how are we going to put a, a tree stand up where these deer are coming at, you know, just different things. Yeah. It's strategy. Mm-hmm. It's like a game of chess in that way. It's very much like a game of chess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because so. you, don't, you don't know. I mean, you can assume, but you never know what you're going to run into. No. And I think that's different with, not to say that you don't get that from, you know, high country where somebody might go out and scout, you know, through the end of the summer or something that they, they yeah. have their target. It's just, or yeah. Milk. It's just, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out which tree a deer's going to walk underneath is. <laughs> challenging yeah <laughs> very mm-hmm. and then then you have the the predicament of okay what wind can i hunt this from because just because that de- that buck's going to walk under that tree doesn't mean you're going to be sitting in it yeah because for you know a particular wind you can't be sitting in that tree and that buck walk by because he'll smell you mm-hmm. you know so <sighs> there's a, there's a lot to it it's it's fun though, it's 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 addicting. I will say that it's very addicting, and you know it's it's even more fun when you have someone like Phil mm-hmm. to do it with, someone that you can 
work in conjunction with. And then, you know, Phil, Travis, and his uh, middle son, Cannon, shot his first deer. Guess where he shot it? On the west side at Phil's. Yeah. You know? So you're talking about a guy who who is helping out the landowner that I'm able to hunt on. And I've killed some great deer on that place. But, yeah, it's unique for sure. For sure. Well, guys, will you, will you go with me next year? Whitetail hunt? I got a whitetail point. Do they have points in Kansas? Yeah, I have a point. Do you have a point? So you're you're you think you're gonna draw? Oh yeah. You think you're gonna draw? Where are you gonna Where are you gonna be hunting? It's eighty eight percent. With zero. (laughs) So if I apply somewhere and don't draw, I'll be mad. (laughs) When I didn't draw this year, you were like, "What the heck? You thought I was messing with you?" I did. I can't believe you didn't draw. Uh, Well, that would have screwed up your whole deal anyway. Yeah. No, I'd have just been with Phil hanging out. <laughs> you would have probably gone early, and you probably would have killed one early, <laughs> is what would have happened. Yeah, probably. Or shot over the top of one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, what did you think? That was your first time hunting uh, or filming Whitetail, right? Uh, I'd, I had gone with you before in That's Missouri. That's right, to Missouri. Right, That's right, right. So, no, I, I think it's it's different. It's definitely different, and um, I don't know, I... I appreciate it because it's a different type of hunt. What are the challenges you see that are different for a cameraman in that style of hunt versus like a style of hunt where where we're you know Nebraska or something where we're spotting and stalking and you know do do you do you think it's easier for a cameraman? I do. I think it's easier for a cameraman. The hard part I think is being creative. Yes. Yeah, I think I would agree with that too. Because everybody's going to get the same shot. You might sit the same tree for three mornings. And how do you, what do you film B-roll of that you haven't already filmed B-roll of? Trash pandas, squirrels, birds, you know. Trash I mean, pandas caressing yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was they're, they're too, it's too human-like for me. Makes me sad. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that was, I think, in, in the case of, um, Missouri when we went out there there I was actually in an opposite stand of the father and daughter I was filming Mm -hmm. so it was kind of it was different in that way where I'm getting to film from a distance and Mm -hmm. I haven't seen enough video to see anybody if it's you know that unique or different or whatever but it was it was different from the other stands that we sat on where I'm either up above the individual or or just off off to the side well it I've never seen it I've never seen anybody do what you did that day Hmm. where you filmed her shoot that doe from a different tree and I think it I think it's pretty cool it was crazy I mean in the doe the doe was right right below my tree right and they were to my right across this clearing Mm -hmm. and I mean that was with the 200 to 600 lens so that thing <laughs> that thing gets close and I think man I don't know if it was her it's, it was a while ago I don't know if it's her or if it was a different a different uh doe that came through but I swear I think I think she looked up at the camera at one point or the a different doe did but it's just different it's unique I mean that's the only mm. that's the only thing but I do think it's easier than Say Nebraska or 
even the L cut that we went on to, I mean, mm-hmm. it's all in the moment. So you have to hope that you kind of have everything work out. And <laughs> I've I, had times it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it would be cool to have a set where there's two trees and they're like, but they're close. Just to have like that perspective. Like if you'd mm-hmm. have like two trees that were like five, ten feet apart and have camera stand in one and the shooter in the other oh yeah that'd be pretty cool yeah. the problem that comes with that is your different viewing lanes oh for sure and then the communication of five to ten feet is much worse than uh, you know three feet where mm-hmm. you can go I, I, okay i got him i got him you know and when you're five ten feet away going i don't have him i don't have you know and 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 the shooter's completely in the clear and the buck is right there and you don't have him on camera yeah. that's the that's the thing what that's, i think is unique about that would be you filming the shooter from that yeah. but but the you almost have to be able to see what the shooter can see well and in my experience there's not usually trees that are set up that too way. stand worthy trees yeah. like you get a tree that's big enough for a stand it's going to have its own space because that's just how they work they just out compete Mm -hmm. they've out competed the other saplings to grow this big and there's not going to (laughs) be another tree right next to them Mm -hmm. but i think missouri's a unique case in that way because the the stand that they had originally set up that's a two-person rifle stand wasn't it i mean it's kind of a semi-ladder they didn't want to climb up in that tree you climbed up it was a tall tree yeah that's when i set Mm mm-hmm Yep. And it's a, gr- I mean, it's a it's great, a great perspective. Yeah. It's a great tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see so much more. And I, I think I would prefer as a hunter from that tree because your range inside that, all that vegetation is just yeah. that much better. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm hooked on this whitetail stuff and I can't wait. I can't wait for next year. The one thing I, I did say when I got home was I couldn't wait to go back <laughs> and and you know it it never got cold you know here here usually you're looking end of October starting to get some freezes stuff like that and for it to be November 10th before you there they got their first freeze that's, <sighs> that's crazy I mean there's times you and I were sitting but uh, the year before that the year that we sat where i missed that we called the ninja nine i missed that i shot over that buck yeah, there's some cold days there were some cold days we were glad to have the old heater bodysuit yeah i'm fixing to try that september summer pattern whitetail hunt that sounds <laughs> yeah <fun>. right <laughs> yeah it's yeah but you only are hunting evenings that's why i got that inferno set thinking it was going to be super cold you did get to wear it one day i did from the wind it was great but you know i think i think the uh uh what's the what's the set the fanatic is probably much quieter but Mm -hmm. that would be great like when we were in missouri when it snowed and Mm -hmm. sleet whatever else like that would have been the perfect perfect setup is that with the new like is that with the prima loft and it's loud Mm-hmm. against yeah, like the tree water, like yeah, he was gore. sitting up against and he'd rub up against the tree and it was loud here but for me i again like i said before I, I don't like to shoot with a bunch of clothes so when it's cold 
I just take that heater bodysuit and get in it because... Well, you have that sticker on your truck, shoot naked. I assume that's where <laughs> it came from. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. Let's end this. Let's end this misery. Thanks for listening. And as always, folks, I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed it. God bless. We'll see you down the trail.